Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars... Well, Hulk, Action Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. We underwent the board. SP Futures down two. As a Futures down 22. We did finish up down yesterday. We weren't down as much as we were down during the show. When we were down like 60-ish at one point in the spoos. Finished down like 34. Uh, so we got back... Yeah, 40% of it, 45 or something. Not quite a Fibonacci retracement. Speaking of Fibonacci, do we have Kevin? Uh, how, how do I relate to fi- uh, Fibonacci? Well, you would if you had a beard and longer hair. Well, okay. <laughs> if I had, or hair. Yeah, well, there <laughs> you go. In, yeah. <clears throat> you can do the beard thing. It would take you about how many, how many years would it take to get one down to, like, mid-chest? I, have you ever had a beard in your life? Did you ever grow a beard? Um, When I went up to... Canoeing at Quetico, I didn't shave for like a week, but that was bad enough. Not big enough. I, I have never in my life had a beard, never wanted one, never had a mustache in my life, never wanted one. Uh, me neither. I, well, I've, got, I've gotten to the point where I maybe don't shave every day, but that's that's cool. I mean, well, you know, that that could be a Saturday or something like yeah, that, you yeah. know, where I don't feel like shaving, but, you know, two days in a row and I'm like feeling really... Yeah. So... Um, well, how are you not, doing this morning, Thomas? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I'm just, uh, we have the big uh, payroll numbers today, and I was just wondering what it would take for you to become an expectator. An expectator? Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I'd have to first clear my throat and take a, a deep hock and, and then expectorate. Yeah, just like um, Richard Daly said, who are all these alligators? You know. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, everybody uh, will say, Expected numbers, but I've never walked up to anybody and said, "By the way, what do you do for a living?" Well, I'm an expectator. Who exactly um, are these people? Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know it, pundits in general. You know, uh, is there anybody out there that says, My, "I'm a pundit"? I, I'm I'm a uh, you know I'm an employment guesser. Yeah, I'm a, you know. <laughs> I, I think we could. Uh, there could be a lot of fun coming up with uh, you know official titles for. Uh, people in those situations yeah just like you know is it uh butch cassidy who are these guys remember the guys kept tracking them yeah yeah they kept they just couldn't lose them couldn't shake them yeah, who are these guys uh, anyway the uh, expectators have it for 240 today but since the adp number was so big yesterday uh <clears throat> thinking maybe uh um, came in at 497 the expectators had it at 220 so that's a big number <clears throat> Well, it, it is. Um, you know, I, I didn't pay close attention to it because I had a busy day yesterday, but uh, um, a, a little bit of the punditry that I heard about it today is that uh, buried in there was that people aren't leaving their jobs as uh, readily as they were uh, in, in recent months. 
Well, you sure as hell can't leave your job if you have to move, and you have a three percent mortgage. Well, it, yeah, you know, certainly that, um, you know, that, that's that's a subset of the ability to change jobs or to just move, because you know we've seen the flight out of some states, uh, you know, heading for places like Florida and Texas, um, and uh, and there's been a lot of that, but that. You know that has to be taking its toll now, because not only can you not afford the new mortgage, but how do you sell your old place? So uh, you know, we, I, it, as it was in 2009 and 2010, um, home ownership can be an anchor for people who would like to either, you know, flee for cultural reasons, flee for tax, flee for tax reasons, or flee for employment. Um, it, there's a lot of difficulties. And, uh, and and unless some uh, some of the states that are uh, losing people clean up their act, uh, they're going to start seeing people abandon properties again because they aren't they aren't worth. Well, I think the most of the, most of the people in California. Well, I, I won't say most. I think you're still even to this day. Would you know the people on the right are so giddy that people are leaving California? I think if you sell a house in California. That you bought 20 years ago, you're still more than capable of buying one in Texas with the with the change. Yeah, I would guess so. Without you know, without having the data in front of me to uh, support it, because um, I, I, I they had, they had a massive housing. Housing is going to be cheaper anywhere else other than uh, California. So yeah, I mean, it's that's 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 the people that Audrey still has. Uh, well, she has some. She either has. Younger people, they're looking for their first house. They actually, you know, they both have a job and saved up and maybe have some uh, help from the parents. Either has that on the entry level or she has people that sold a house and are looking to downsize and are paying cash. I mean, it's, uh, that's, you're not, you're not getting the, the middle, I'm, I'm selling my place here because I need another bedroom and bathroom. Moving that, on that, up to the east side. Yeah, that, that trade is not, is not happening. And, uh. Because you can't do it. I mean, uh, so when I, well, I lived there, I had two houses there. I remodeled in Beverly, uh, not Beverly Hills, California, with the Clampets, but uh, in Beverly, uh, here in Chicago, the neighborhood. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Beverly with worse, the house. <laughs> yeah, it was worse with us. And, uh, and it's my, it's, an, it's a really nice neighborhood in a lot of ways. Uh, and one of them is, on different blocks, there's different size homes. They're all nice. I mean, it's you know, it's a, the, the, the crummiest house in Beverly is probably better than you know the nicest house two miles away. But uh, but still, I mean, it's uh, I mean the bungalow. If you have a bungalow, it's big. Whatever. But the point being is that every you you could buy a starter home in Beverly, and then two years later, when you have a family, sell that one, move a block down, and get a bigger one. Because my brother had a place there, and he one day he says to me, "Gee, we're thinking about putting this addition in." Because we're having a third, the third offspring, you know, and and you know, Dan never does anything without some thought in it. I said, you know, Dan, it's not a bad idea. Except this house has been really great for you guys. You moved in here. You got a couple of kids, and it's you know, it's it's limited now for the third kid. You've only got the you know bathroom and a half. Or whatever, I don't remember. Uh, I said it's time to give this up <laughs> to somebody. Who's like you were four years ago, and you moved down the block where they got another bathroom and another bedroom, and just just trade up. That, that's the beauty of the area. You didn't have to lengthen your walk to the train. You didn't have to change schools for the kids. You didn't have to do anything. 
You know what I mean? It was, it was, that's one of the really nice parts of that neighborhood. And if you wanted to, you could go find, you know, get some like big, huge joint. If you want, with, like six bedrooms, they had some of those too. But it, the, I think that the, that trading up, I mean, it's never been as easy as trading a stock for another one. But uh, but now that trade up is is prohibitive. If you're dumping a three, what did Nancy say? It's like ninety two percent of homeowners have, have something less than four percent or something currently. Was it some some number? Yeah, I like can't it. cite the number. I, I, it was I, real high though. I mean, maybe it was eighty two or something up there. But it was a, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how you, uh, as of yesterday with the ten year, now at four oh four. I mean, that's going to push the mortgage rates up even more. I mean, I'm I'm really stunned that it's taken this long for this ten year to start to move. I mean, everybody's been been, uh, you know, losing losing saliva over this uh, yield curve. But the fact is, I don't, I don't see how, in this day and age, you have a long-term rate of under four percent when your inflation has been whatever. I mean, one of the one of the you know the absolute identities in all of economics is that your 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 interest rate going forward, <coughs> the, the equivalent rate should be the real rate of interest, which is <coughs> supposed to be something two and a half three percent. I mean, why should you give money to somebody for free? And the expected inflation on top of it. So if you expect the money to be worth three percent less next year, you want your three percent. I'll use the term bonus, and you want your two and a half or three percent fee for using my money. Well, that equals five and a half or six. It's really pretty simple, Kevin. And we haven't seen that for how many years? I mean, Do you have a theory as to why it's been so slow to move? I think the Fed continues to pour. But people are convinced that the Fed is going to come come down on these long term rates or on these rates. That now the new how many people <clears throat> Kevin have never seen in their work life a, 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 a rate that wasn't like one percent or something? They're used to giving their money to banks for nothing. They think that's normal. It's not normal. <clears throat> it hasn't been normal for thousands of years. Hey, how about you? Got a bunch of dough? How about you let me use it for free? Uh, why would I do that exactly? Just what, to be a nice guy. To be, an, to be a nice guy to, to Jamie Dimon and his ilk. I've always wanted to have an ilk. An ilk, yeah, something. Hey, uh, <clears throat> we did, uh, one of my buddies, we saw him on the email, uh, one of my buddies from Pullman, uh, who actually has had a, uh, he was sort of like a Kevin pre-Kevin, Kevin, where he was uh, really loved high school basketball, and this was, uh, guy's name is Bob, I won't say his last name, um, he was a financial analyst at Pullman b- before I got there, real bright guy, real nice guy, and uh he, um, he would go to a high school basketball game. They mostly all on Friday nights, right? <clears throat> Every Friday night, he'd go to one. And remember, remember Taylor Bell? Sure. Taylor Bell was yeah, the Taylor Bell for the uh, listeners who don't know was a longtime uh, high school sports reporter for I believe the Sun Times. Yes, it was the Sun Times. And uh, you know, he was like the uh, authoritative uh, guy on when it came to high school sports. Period. Well, before there was an internet, um, he had a whole bunch of guys that were called stringers. I don't know how did they ever get that name, uh, but Bob was one of the stringers. He would somehow call or notify Taylor Bell. I'm going to go see St. Lawrence play Brother Rice or who, whoever it could be. You know, whatever it could be. A you know Kelly play somebody, somebody in the city, and he'd say okay. And at the end of the game, you would call in. <clears throat> you'd give the score, and if the, somebody had an outstanding game, you'd say. Kevin O'Neill scored 25 points with five assists. 
blah blah blah. It was a good game. Somebody won to put a shot in the last. But it was like a, it was like maybe a, a fifteen word or less <clears throat> summary, and it's like a really syncopated box score. And every Saturday morning, you'd see this huge column in the Sun Times with what probably forty games, fifty games, Kevin, at least mm-hmm. lined up, and everybody called in on every game and every. Anyway, he worked for Taylor Bell forever, and he met a lot of these people. So he, he writes back, he didn't write back everybody, uh, look at Sullivan's column in the Tribune yesterday regarding what you can do with the uh, roof when you have one of those r- retractable roofs. And Sullivan, uh, who actually is, I think he does a great job with the trib, he uh, said it's, you can, the home team gets to set it either open or closed before the game. And after that, right. if, if, they, if they, there's weather in the area, they agree that if it starts raining, they can close it. I think pretty much, you know, right before it starts to rain or whatever that's. But you can't, like, do it any other time. Can't decide yeah, it's too hot in here. You can't to decide. Do it for the convenience or the advantage of the home team. Right. Or really anybody. I mean, uh. Um, in, well, yeah, but if you, if it, if it's if it's Milwaukee, for instance, you wouldn't do it for the Cubs' advantage. You'd do it. No, for oh yeah, the, you'd do it for the Brewers' advantage, whatever that may be. It was pretty interesting because all I heard about it on the radio from uh, Ryan Coomer and Pat Hughes to a certain extent was how the the, sh- the uh, shadow was over the between the pitcher and the catcher, or pitcher and a batter, and uh, how difficult that is to hit, and how that they if they wanted to. <clears throat> they could have moved one of the the roofs just a little bit every inning to make sure that didn't happen. And I don't I don't think by rule you can do that. It's either open or shut unless it's raining. Or unless both I think it's unless both sides agree otherwise. But I mean why would you why would you, you'd have to call before yeah, if you, you, yeah. if you have the lead you're not you know, and it's difficult to hit with the shadows then you you definitely don't want it closed. Right. You want those shadows if you have the lead. If you don't have the lead, like the Brewers didn't, um, you you may in that case want to uh, uh, want to make it a little easier to hit. Um, hey, uh, before we talk just a little bit, because you are uh, in, in in tune with a lot of people uh, that aren't exactly making a gazillion dollars a year, but have, are working and improving and all that stuff. Um, Carlos said on a bunch of occasions. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he'd say that today, but I'll, I'll ask him that the difference between the establishment survey, which is what we're going to hear this morning on TV, establishment survey means you you call up PTI. Well, we know we've never been called. By the way, how many people do you have employed? How many employees have employed last month? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, you add up all these people. Now, I don't know anybody who's ever been called, but I imagine General Motors can make it called every month or whatever. But So they add this number up. That's called the establishment survey and they only ask if you're hiring somebody or if you're somebody's working at your place and Carl knows it's how many hours a week and how many it's the third week in a month and whatever there's all kinds of little nuances yeah, they, they all have the stats for it so yeah. uh, it's, it's all people who can answer but now the household survey is when you call if you can call people have phones you're calling Kevin O'Neill's house somebody answers the phone how many people are working your wife would say Kevin's working and that's it. Or Kevin's working, and I'm working, and that's it. If the establishment, Kevin could be running from his job at McDonald's to deliver pizzas at night, now two establishments are saying, yeah, I got this guy working for me. They don't they don't maybe even know you've got the other job, nor do they care. Now in, the, in the household survey, uh, 
they might, you know, you, you, you might, you're going you're gonna to not pick up both of those because your wife is going to say, yes, he's working. So, or you, you better be. Yeah, you, yeah, you better be. Or we hope he's not at the saloon. <laughs> he uh, said he's working. Yeah, he said he's working. <laughs> um, so, what Carl has said in a bunch of times at the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of two years, these have to match up because the amount of people that are being hired. I wonder though, Kevin, if more and more people aren't having this side job to where I don't know if they'll ever match up. I mean. Because last month or was it the month before we spent it, uh, Carl and I spent what how many minutes half hour on the divergence between the household survey and the establishment survey, which on a month to month basis certainly can happen uh, statistically, but it shouldn't happen two three four months in a row because they they should eventually match up the people whose fanny's leaving home to go to work should be the amount of people that are at work. Well, but the I, problem I, is that they're using they're using statistical models as well. So they're applying, you know, they're extrapolating from what they get on the surveys, um, and then they're also using smoothing techniques because they say, well, we really don't want this any more subject than necessary quotes yeah. uh, around that to uh, to jump around very much. And you know, as Carl, you know, has has articulated very well, and and I, I totally agree with this. You know, I, I can handle the numbers by just looking at, at, at any chart of year over year. As he says, Christmas happens the same time every year. Uh, Independence Day comes up the same time every year. All of these things that may have seasonal effect um, are, uh, you know, they're, they're totally predictable. So, you know, I that that's another distortion that comes into play here and that as you start looking at... Um, especially the establishment survey, which is always the number that is in the news. Um, that when you when you really start looking at it that way, uh, uh, we we wind up with this giant January uh, adjustment, which we saw last year was you know everybody was touting as oh look how many jobs we created in January, um, but you know it, the these smoothing techniques. Are a they're a good place if you have a political agenda for you to manipulate numbers, and b even if you don't, um, you you are still distorting what really really happened, and that's why the unadjusted numbers, household survey I don't think or they give establishment you, yeah. survey matter. I don't think they give you the unadjustment establishment survey the first day. That's when I mean, Carl's always complaining he, he can't get that number for a while. I don't think he can get that today. He's that's why he's always using the household one. Well, uh, and, and I think he likes, he, he, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, he'll be here in about yeah. 45 minutes or less. Um, so, uh, so, but I, I think he likes the uh, unadjusted right. well, results I mean, survey. Because, so, I mean, I, the, the, the point being that, that it, it's real easy to say, how are we doing over time? And to you know, plot years uh, on any kind of graph for those who are, are uh, good with visuals, and to say, oh yeah, it rises and falls at the same time every year on the seasonal stuff. I don't need the government to adjust, make seasonal adjustments for me. I can read a graph. Well, I think they used to be. I won't use the term more well intended. I just did, uh, but there was a time. Um, my friend Robin, she was a trader. And every year, she would go to work for, I don't know, is it Macy's? Or who's the other guy out there? Uh, the Nordstrom's? Sure. Um, because they gave everybody in the place like a 25% discount. Plus, she, 
loved to talk to people, so for four weekends a year, she would go to work for Macy's on the weekends. Or were the other one. I mean, she loved doing it. And uh, I, there was a time when you could predict, I mean, this is, I don't know how many years ago, Kevin, probably before the internet, where literally every year Macy's would hire a thousand people on, you know, the, the week before Thanksgiving. You know, and maybe two stores. Because they like tripled their people. They had people that came back year after year, so they kind of knew the product and so forth. And that's what they did, because all of a sudden the crowds were everybody went shopping in this store. So there was, at one time, I remember reading, God, I was coming out of school, I think, that the adjustment for the month of December versus November, or whatever that week was, uh, it was a, you take the third week, so the fourth week was probably okay, it was like 225,000 jobs was the normal pickup countrywide for Christmas. So, but it was it was so constant every year that it was more reliable than the rest of the numbers. You know, so some kind of an adjustment like that, I guess, makes some sense. But I don't know that that stays the same year after year. I don't know if people hire that many more people. If it is, it's much more unpredictable. But some of the times, they get you to the spot, like you're saying, Seven, Kevin, I'm agreeing with you, that the numbers in, in May were, were 50,000 people. Oh, man, it was a horrible month. And then June is like 400,000 people, like this ADP number was. Uh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's 20 days in a month, so you're telling me last month we hired 2,500 people a day, and now all of a sudden we flipped the calendar switch, and now we're hiring, you know, 20,000 a day. Well, that, that doesn't incorporate Corporations aren't, aren't nimble enough to pull that off. No, no nobody is. You know, they, yeah. they couldn't execute that even if they were trying to. I mean, you could, I guess, you're going to get a bump. You should get a bump in June because a lot of – recent college graduates probably could be entering the workforce. Now, how many of them start their first month out or second month? I don't know, but there should be, if people are interviewing for jobs, that should be a bump up in June, right? I don't know how much it is, but it should be something, correct? It should be something because, remember, we count all those college students in the labor force as not working while they're in college, assuming they're not working when they're in college. Um, so we count them in the labor force, and so yes, it we we should see some increase as they land jobs, um, a, a, as they graduate from college and move into and and actually move towards employment. Well, Kevin, what happened? And, and, and that should have a positive effect uh, on the uh, a, a, a good effect on the um, unemployment rate. Uh, Kevin, what know, happened but, to but, the? But, but if we smooth that out too, then we're gonna we're gonna ignore that increase. Well, I don't. We're, I don't have a problem. We're not going to ignore it. We're going to mitigate it. I don't have a, a problem saying the number in June was X, and oh, by the way, based on the last thirty years, uh, the June number averages at least fifty thousand higher than May because of all these people entering. I don't. Have, I don't have a problem telling people information, but the, drawing the conclusions for them, I have a problem with. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think that's a reasonable statement. But we don't. I, I think that's a totally. It, it, it's just like during the you know all the COVID stupidity. Um, I, I actually was having a conversation with someone, and she said to me, "You mean you're disagreeing with Dr. Fauci?" Yeah. Oh yeah. And I said, "Yeah, I can read a graph." <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we can I, read. I can, I can see what's happening. Um, well, all you had to do is read all the surveys from overseas and all the stuff coming out of Britain because they seem to be a little more honest over there. I got a question for you. We're going to break real quick. When we when we were in school, when we were in school, walking against the wind uphill both ways. Everyone, I know a lot of guys 
mean, I never had the connection. Plus, I got the, the job at the public schools. I know a lot of guys that if there was any kind of construction thing going on, you you love to work construction in the summer. I mean, first of all, telling your buddies you work construction and you worked hard all day and it was like going to weight weightlifting thing. And it was once I could really hit yeah. the ball a long yeah. way when I was, oh, yeah. uh, you know, working with a shovel and a pick. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a you know, it was a manly thing to do. Um, I see those green road project, which is such a joke. I see some of these other. I don't see anybody there who looks like they're college age. I mean, the Grange Road had ten guys working on it in the winter. They got ten guys working on it now, and they're, and they're, they got to be a year. In, it's going to take four years to do that bridge, which you know it should take two. I mean, what? Why are? Why is there none of that? I mean, what am I missing here? It is summer. You've got able-bodied young men and women. Why don't you pick a few people up for the summer and, and, and get the job moving? I mean, what, what is the deal? I don't, I don't yeah, get it. I, I don't know other than, um, you know, it, it. what I do recall about being a construction worker was that it was easy to not join the union um, if you were a summer worker. They, they'd come looking for you, and they'd try and get you to, you know, pay the dues and all of that. But, uh, um, uh, but by the time, you know, by the time they really hounded you into it, um, you would uh, uh, not do it. So there, there may be, you know, some union push to not allow these people in now that didn't exist as strongly um, when when you and I were young. But the uh, I, I think you know there's there's a hard work element to it um, that uh, because it is really really physical. If you want to talk about you know good honest work that pays well, um, you know construction is it. Uh, it's what convinced me to keep going back to college because I knew I didn't want to be doing that when I was fifty. Uh, it was too hard. The work was too hard. But yeah, but it was, was cool. It was cool when you were when I was twenty. Yeah, it was cool when you were twenty. Uh, so, th- so that you know that was part of it. Um, I, I don't know. I'd just be speculating, Tom, because uh, um, you know I, I I don't see as much. I don't get students who are construction workers. Um, I, I don't think it works well with their schedules, but I do get a lot of students who are factory workers, and uh, they also work very hard. Yeah, SP Futures down two, and Futures down twenty-two. We're half hour away from these numbers. Actually, no, we're an hour away from these You're numbers. An hour away. Yep. I'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello, and back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamara Andrew on the, on the board. Andrew, I'm not so sure I, I would picture you in construction. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's really something for me. Uh, uh, we have to get rid of the shorts. Especially, especially with a sewer contractor. Yeah, yeah. I, I worked for a sewer contractor for oh a couple God. of summers. What, what were you, uh, Ed Norton? Uh, no, no, no. Actually, most of, most of what I did uh, was that... Uh, um, L.J. Keith was who I worked for at the time, and they most of what they did was drilling under roads. So if you were putting up a building on one side of the road and the water main or the sewer was on the other side of the road, um, especially the water main because you needed access, the state really didn't like you tearing up the road so that you could run a water main connector underneath it. Um, so instead, you would uh, you you would they would dig a pit, and then they would drop the tracks in the uh, in the pit, and, and then lower this auger machine that you know kind of these these little railroad tracks that it would on, and section by section, you would push um, uh, cast iron casings uh, in you know through the um, uh, you know under the road. All the time, they have little drill bits in them with a, uh, a drilling head on the front of it, and all the time, 
the, the drill bits, you would be spitting this dirt back through the auger machine. And my job was to shovel furiously as they pushed this thing through and spat back the dirt. Um, and, uh, and then when they push a section fully in, and this all had to be level and it was, you know, it was pretty, all very precise. And then they'd back up the machine and uh, they would uh, um, drop down the next section of cast iron casing with another section of drill bit in there and they would bolt the uh, drill bit sections together and then they would walk up the casing and weld it shut and all that time so my, I would shovel furiously for 20 minutes and then I'd get like a 15 minute break uh, yeah. <laughs> so while they, while you know they did all the similar? welding and all of that and then I'd go and then I would shovel furiously again you know how they it's very similar to how they build a Holland Tunnel by the way through the mud under the uh, Hudson River yeah, you got to you got to do something like that. So uh, that so that was uh, that was my summer job. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, over and, in Europe, uh, like got... I said, I could hit the ball a long way. Okay. <laughs> I was really strong. Over in Europe, the DAX up eighty two. These guys were all down real heavy yesterday, like two percent. Uh, FTSE down thirteen. What's point two percent? Cac around up thirty nine point five percent. So they're kind of waffling before these numbers come out. Nikkei down three eighty four, one point one percent. Hang Seng down again, one sixty seven. So now we're down eighteen thousand three sixty five after being over. 19,000 two days ago. Shanghai down 9.4%, or I'm sorry, 0.3%. Yesterday we ended up not as bad. Dow was down 500, ended up down 366. S&P was down 60, ended up down 35. NASDAQ was down mid twos, I'd say, and it ended up down 112. So looks bad, but it's a lot better than what it was. Uh, bonds, and here was the story. Uh, we went from 387 to 404 yesterday. Now we're at 406 on a 10-year rate. The Bund unchanged at 2.64. Even Japan, again, they only let this thing rise. They, the, the, the government over there, only lets it rise to 0.5%. Uh, the upper end, well, now they're up to 0.45, so they'll be pushing that upper end here pretty soon. Oil, uh, down, up 37 cents, 72.17. Brent up 35 cents, 76.87. Natural gas up a penny, 262. Arbab up a penny, 256. Gold, which has been getting clobbered. Today's actually a dead cat bounce here, up 870 to 1924 silver up two cents 2291. Like I said, it's been a buy under 23. I don't know about this time, but it has been. But that doesn't give you any help in today's trade, however. Copper up three cents 375. Uh, Bitcoin down 116, but still over 30,000 30,177. We have the U.S. dollar again before the numbers were. This is kind of a. It's down just a hair, but three thousandths of against the euro. And uh, down, uh, it pounds up to 127.70. So it's a little bit of movement in the dollar. Andrew, we got for us traffic weather sports. All right, it is 6:42 here in Chicago. Starting off with some sports, uh, we had the Cubs play the Brewers yesterday. Cubs lost six to five, and the White Sox played a doubleheader against the Blue Jays. The first game was the Blue Jays won six to two, and the second game was the Blue Jays also won five to four. Now, finally, the uh, Diamondbacks played the Mets and lost 9-0. Now, over to Chicago weather. Bit of a cooler one today. It's 65 degrees right now. we got cloudy skies. We're going to have a high of 77 and a slight chance of rain into the night, but that's pretty late into the night. looks like past about 10 p.m. And over in Phoenix, uh, they're still experiencing a heavy, or excuse me, excessive heat warning. They're 85 degrees right now. It's probably the coolest you're going to get. Uh, it's clear skies, and let's see, around 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., you're going to reach temperatures of uh, 111 to 110. And now, finally, for Chicago traffic, 
Uh, looks like we have some uh, some delays on the Kennedy construction. Uh, it's on the Kennedy from about Lawrence Avenue to Armitage Avenue. And out on the northbound Tri-State Tollway, uh, there's an accident. And the left three lanes are blocked. And that looks to be uh, just a little bit after the 290 connector. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Yeah, we got a text here from our buddy uh, Michael, uh, who says there's more foreign labor in construction, lots of Hispanic workers. I, I, I'm not... Uh, yeah, what I'm trying to get at here, and I'm obviously not... And one thing you learn when you're on the air is it's not what you say is what people hear. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm trying to draw a connection with is somehow along the way, I don't know when or where this happened or who's, what the motivation is behind it, and I, I don't believe really it's the unions, I, but it, it could be. You look at when I was in, uh, before I got the job at the Chicago Public Schools, they were doing a Dan Ryan project. So my buddy Jim Verrek and I, for four days in a row, went to where they were hiring people for the project. And whatever they were doing on the Ryan, it was, a, I don't know, they were redoing the local lanes or something, but they, they knew they were going to inconvenience basically the bleep out of people. And the idea was this thing was going to go 24-7 for the summer. And you were going to hire enough people to just keep going and get it done as fast as you possibly could. Yeah, I remember when they did it that way. And uh, now, somehow or another, the, the, the tone change is dramatic. I mean, it's, this burn interchange, I don't think it was 10 years, but it was eight and a half or something, Kevin. You, you never saw more than 20 people working there. There was never a second shift. Once in a while, you'd see them pouring concrete on a Saturday or something if the traffic was a little less and they were cutting a lane down or something. But I mean, it would, the, the whole difference in impetus is, is totally changed. And I, don't, I think it has to do with two or three construction companies get every single job. And yeah, I think it's a local phenomenon, Tom, because I was, um, you know, uh, last time I drove to Indianapolis, there's a lot of work on US 31 north and south, and I saw that early in the morning, late into the evening on the return trip, you know, it, it, and and I, I thought about that, and I thought about, you know, the comments that you've made about uh, Chicago Expressway uh, um, construction and thinking, well, this is different. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe it's a Chicago phenomenon. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I really, how do I have to say this? I really need to get out more because I'm, I'm, I am a little, uh, what's the term, hypnotized something about the way Chicago happens here. And and I really don't, I mean, I, that's why I like doing the show. And you hear the guys like Dan Janinas come out and say, Chief, all you got to do is go to Boston. Or we got nothing about money, but biotech. I mean, a place, it's, it's, you know, it's like MTV, you know, money for nothing and the chicks for free. But it's not like that around here. I mean, and you, and you go out and you see people needing a job and you, you go down the expressway and there's five guys building a bridge. I mean, really? I mean, <laughs> my my favorite is the panhandlers uh, <laughs> who are uh, set up at at the parking lot of a store, a Menards or something like that, that can't get you know can't manage to hire enough people. So yeah, yeah. There, there's there's a certain element of that too that uh, you know a lot of people just don't want to work. Now I I'm just assuming that in those cases it's just a side hustle that you know yeah you can't you can't be that. I don't know. I suppose you can be that idiotic, but um. well, I mean, I, I would bet that the guy who, there's, there's, well, there's a guy who's always here. He says hello to me. He's out in front of the Dunkin' Donuts on Van Buren. He's you know almost dude, I guess. Uh, I mean, the guy works hard enough and puts in longer hours. He'd be better off just working the Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Now, uh, 
Uh, yeah. Know, but please help. My family needs help. All that. And, well, you know, a lot of these dudes well, here, a hundred yards. <laughs> well, there was a guy in there. They'll hire you on the spot. Well, there's a dude in my neighborhood. Uh, he hasn't I haven't seen him in years, but he he'd come by with a shopping cart, and he was a guy. He was at the time I was six four in pretty good shape. This dude was easy inch or two taller than me, big, broad shoulders. He got more stuff on that shopping cart tied down on the thing, heavy stuff on that thing. The guy should have been uh, that many people would know. You know what a rigger is? No. Rigger is, is, a, is a, well, it's a, there's a riggers union. Those are the guys that if you, if I could pull them, if, you sh- if they ship stuff on a flatbed, the guys that tie it all down to make sure it doesn't oh, drop okay. on your head when you're driving. Those are guys that know how to do all that stuff. Railroad car. This guy was a natural. So I was talking to John, Dr. J's wife, Bridge, Bridget McGrath, who's a judge. And I said, Bridge, this guy, he can have a job anywhere he wants. And she goes, he's, he, just, he, can't, he, goes he probably can't be in the system. And I go, what do you mean by that? And she goes, he's probably got three or four judgments where he's got three or four kids someplace. He's supposed to be paying money. And the minute he gets a regular paycheck, there's going to be 50 people all over him. The IRS, God knows who else. So he's got to stay totally out of the system. I never, I never even thought of that. Okay. Well, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you, you look at the dude. First of all, he didn't walk like a regular homeless dude. The guy was he was quick, strong. I mean, I don't, he was living someplace, but he obviously had whatever he had to do. He was going to make his money outside the system. Um, anyway, but I oh, I have a manual labor project for the yard coming up for the fall uh, before I plant grass. Maybe I should uh, ask one of these guys. Uh, you know, do you want to work for cash? Uh, home, sometimes you'll see him at the Home Depot. They will. Yeah, and you know you want to work for cash, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out then. Well, the uh, but I mean, I guess the what I'm saying is you can't you get you don't have to know anything. You just you know you just have to be willing to work harder than I am. But somewhere along the line, the state, I gotta believe it. I'd love somebody. I actually would love to have somebody on. Maybe I don't know if the listeners be curious or not. But uh, who exactly repairs these roads? Um. I have to believe that if it's an interstate highway, the rebuild is probably, what, 80% federal because it's an interstate highway? Well, uh, it, it's not who, rebu- uh, it's who, that's who pays. Yeah, it pays. And I, but I'm saying the, now, I'm talking about the LaGrange Road. Now, that's 12, 20, 45. Those are all U.S. highways, but they're not interstate highways. I'm guessing that the, that the, the state and the county and the city are probably poning up for some of that. I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question. Now, if it's a state road, like State Road 7, like Southwest Highway or something, I'm thinking that's all on the state. I don't know if you get any from the federal government. And then if it's like, you know, Western Avenue in the city, I, I'll bet that's all city. But I, I wonder how that all well, they, works. They may get some granted money from the federal government for the state stuff. But, yeah, you, you kind of have it broken down correctly. Yeah. That's where, where the primary sources of funding are. But I don't see how I, w- I would write a contract where if my engineers tell me, Okay, if they put two shifts and 50 guys on a shift or 40 guys on a shift, this is going to be done in one year. They have the contractor walk in and say, eh, I can't really start it for a year. And, oh, by the way, I'm only putting 20 guys on it, and this is a, a four-year project. Screw you guys because I'm the only one who's getting the deal. By the way, I paid, I paid you off for your, your position, so don't mess with me. I mean, I think in Chicago that's what's happening because clearly any engineer would tell you that's not a four-year job. Well, you know what else may be uh, contributing to it as well? In this area, um, Notre Dame dominates the uh, construction 
uh, industry. In other words, they, they have more construction going on than any place else in the area. But there are some significant construction projects here, some development projects. So people were getting all over Andrew Berlin, who owns the uh, South Bend Cubs, and he's a part owner of the Chicago Cubs. And they're getting all over him for hiring labor from outside the area, but you can't get construction right. labor inside the area. So um, so Berlin has gone to other parts of Indiana, northwest Indiana, and then uh, eastern, eastern over by Fort Wayne, and he's bringing in a lot of people there um, because uh, they don't have enough union members to work on his stuff here. They, we probably do have the people who can do the work, but it's union work, and so we'll have a different protest if, uh, if that comes into play. Well, it, this is this. It's a can't can't win situation. So, uh, you know, it it may be that you know you you have a small number of companies. The question is, do you have other companies that can fill that breach, and they're just not getting the work, or do you have that that limited number of companies in the market in the first place able to supply the work? Well, in and, Chicago, and I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm asking the question. Well, I'm going to say in Chicago that, that there's the same two or three companies have dominated the construction for so long, and I think. They essentially run the thing by, by telling you that we can do this when and how. Um, the idea of a mayor here, even any mayor, especially the new one, saying, you know what, there's a construction company in Milwaukee that says they'll set up down here and they'll do this expressway if you're too busy. That would go over like a fart in church. Yeah, it probably would. And so, do, you know, do you have a, uh, a whether, uh, um, le- whether legitimately legal or quasi-legal or just skirting the rules, of uh, competition, do you have uh, uh, you know something going on that is keeping competition out? And and that that would not surprise me. That would be part of the Chicago way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, just get back a little bit on the, um, the labor stuff. Are we starting to see? I guess the, the uh, maybe more of a Carl question, but I'll ask you because you're you know you have your finger on this pulse too. Nancy was talking two weeks ago about how a lot of people now in the mortgages. Not only is it husband and wife both working, but one of them has a side hustle. So you're almost getting two and a half jobs out of somebody's houses to make ends meet. Uh, are we are we going to have a permanent uh, disagreement between the establishment survey and the household survey going forward? It sounds like maybe we might. We very well could. Um, it, it, permanent? Lo- how about long term? Yeah. Let's just say uh, let's just say long term. Uh, uh, you know, and and. I, I don't know what the solutions are, other than to say, um, you know, if, if we're if if we want to listen to economic plans and people talking about interest rates, um, I don't think interest rates are going down anytime soon. I think we have a long-term higher rate structure that's going to last because the Fed, in no way, can they start squeezing harder and harder until they reach their two percent target that they claim is is so important. Um, so. The only other way to manage it is to take it up to some level, um, some level of pain that uh, uh, where they where they stop, and then leave it there and hope to God that slowly, uh, slowly over time, because they've left it there, interest rates start to uh, uh, or inflation starts to mitigate. Um, you know whether that will or not, it won't without spending. But uh, so now, when we we're going into a presidential season, uh, how would uh, how would you expect somebody to rationally address that and say, you know, I can't fix it next year, but here's you know here's what my plan would be over several years, 
uh, to sort of get this kind of stuff in line because you better be bringing employment, you know, good employment into the picture and, uh, and try and achieve some level of real wage growth because you're not going to, uh, you're not going to make the price levels fall. Yeah, I think, they, I, think, I think they have a real, real tough job on their hands. And, and, and I, I, I think that even though nobody, you know, nobody wants to agree with me on this, uh, I'm not so sure I want to agree with myself on this, I think right now that the people who are in are in control, uh, money-wise, you know, maybe they're not in control of whether we fight a war or not, but they're in control money-wise. Do not want to see these assets go down, and I don't see how you fight inflation or or don't allow it to happen. At the same time, you don't pump up asset prices, and I'm I'm thinking there's there's a huge percentage of people in this country that would could give a rat's ass basically about somebody's inflation numbers as long as their stock goes up and doesn't go down. I mean, if you get a 40% correction in the account in the stock market, which I'm not predicting, God, I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, that's that is a much bigger shock to the people who quote count than the 30% inflation bubble, which has people gagging because those people don't count. Nobody cares about them, really. Yeah. So coping in the short run or, co- you know, it, let, let's just say we can have a successful, you know, put us on a path that's going to, uh, you know, sort this stuff out. And it's going to take quite a few years. Um, but in the meantime, we go back to your original question. Yeah, the uh, the extra jobs and all of that, that's going to be the only way people can cope. I just I, I look I was doing a little research actually the other night. I was going back through the monetary history of the United States a little bit. Boy, talk about a book to put you to sleep. Uh I can't imagine how boring it was to write it, Kevin. Much less to read it. <laughs> yeah, I can. Get, I can hear you. I mean, every 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 graph in the thing has to have been a week's worth of work for somebody. I don't even know where the hell they got the data. Talking about you know, eighteen seventy hot money versus other money. How, how, how do you go back and get records of what what banks had in, in eighteen seventy or something? But somehow, but no, it just has to be all labels. Yeah, but I, but here's for an here's my, model. my 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 question. And I, I know I'm jumping this on you. I mean, where's my Federal Reserve? Buddy Robert, when I when I need him because he's an economic history book, I can't begin to say the time. Maybe, maybe in the in the early to mid '60s, I can't think of a time where what you just said. You're basically saying for the next five to ten years, let's say ten years. Well, that's a long time. Five years. Well, and, so, and it's a long time because we'll lurch back and forth politically. Right, but so, but, I'm, uh, but I'm saying over a 10-year period, what you're asking for is for whatever the real inflation rate is, not the BS they give us, we're asking for a 10-year period where the inflation rate is 3% and and wages are going up 6 So at the end of 10 years, we've, we've got back this 30... I, I'd, I'd even settle for 4 to 4.5. Okay, but what I'm saying is... To to get to get even with the thirty percent bubble of the last three years, you need you need three percent a year. I can't. And you need you need a stable three. You know you need that real growth, year. real growth in wages versus real inflation. I can't. Maybe you could talk about the 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 the, the post war years or or somewhere after the sixties. I, I certainly in the last in in my lifetime I don't. I can't pick out a time like that, much less now. No, probably the best thing that could happen to us is to have China really squeeze us 
<laughs> so, so that so that we have no choice but to uh, to bring a lot of production back into the U.S. Plus, plus there's a there's a even even if you could get quote the uh, how's that for a plan? Well, yeah, but I hope we get screwed. But even if if you get quote the average number, what you're talking about, we have a disparity here. I'm not talking about the everybody in the plant makes two two percent more, and the CEO double wage gets doubled or some crap, which we've seen for the last twenty years. That's not what we're talking about, you and I. That's what's happening. A lot of what you see right now in the last twenty years in growth in quote wages, if you, the the median is so different than the mean, is it's scary, right? Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Um, you know, so. I don't see. I don't see how it could possibly happen, Kevin. Even though that would be, that would be the solution. For, well, for, especially when you have a lot of people who believe in modern modern monetary theory, which is which total is, BS. Yeah, total BS. But you have people believing it, so um, you know, and, and people with influence believing it. So that's another way to screw us up. So. Well, I mean, but if, if you look at the we're, raw numbers, we're just we're just toasted. Tom. But but if, if you look at the raw numbers, and there's a fact, there's a company with a thousand employees, and and, and the the, the uh, nine hundred grunts get a two percent raise, and and a hundred other people, including the CEO, get their stuff doubled. Well, income was up. The whole total income was probably up ten percent, right? But that's not what we're talking about. Well, but with all the uh, wokeness in corporations, don't yeah. you think the CEOs yeah. are are probably uh, uh, making that sacrifice now because no. they really believe their own BS? No, no, I, no I, they don't. <laughs> do you think the uh, people at Commonwealth Edison, since a few people got convicted of bribery, are gonna are gonna watch out how much raises they give themselves in the next ten years? No, I think no. <laughs> no. God. Anyway, SP futures up down five. Nasdaq futures down thirty-four. Kevin, uh, thank you. Or, or what did you think of uh, Russ's little rant? It wasn't Lee Elia, but it was pretty good. It was good. It was it was uh, it was definitely a, a worthwhile. And as I I told you when we talked on the phone, I love David Ross. I I very much believe that uh, uh, what you see is what you get with him. And. Uh, um, and and I actually think he's a pretty good manager, so I'm I'm hoping they get him the talent um, to uh, to actually do some winning because uh, um, you know I, I, nobody lasts forever, and especially with a losing record, nobody lasts forever. So I, I really would like to see them. Uh, well, I actually think that uh, uh, that particular team, uh, they're not. You know, I don't I don't know that they're World Series bound, but. Right now, I think they're good enough to compete. You know, there, a lot of them are pretty young, but most most of the pieces are there in the system. Yeah, I, I think I on the team. I mean, I, what, no, what, I think that I think the team is probably about two thirds of the way there. What what is uh, they bring up? What what is with the Cubs in these savior first baseman? First we had Brooks, whatever his name was. Then we had Big Chap Choi. We bring this kid up from Iowa. It's supposedly ripping the league apart. He's up here for a month. He's back down. Now we got a new savior over there. How many guys, how many of these guys do we have? Well, they they do have some good first base prospects in there, and uh, and and what has to happen with every almost every guy who comes up from the minors is, it's unusual for them to succeed. You just listen to Crash giving uh, Nuke Lelouch the advice. They're going to light you up for a while, and sometimes it's uh, in many cases these guys are the best athletes on the field, and so they succeed like crazy. 
in the minors and then you bring them up and they have to play against major leaguers and they don't do so well they have to make adjustments and so you have to send them back down to make the adjustments but they don't make the adjustments until they get the brain speed in um and that was you saw that with christopher morrell um you know yeah. he's he's a better hitter now than he was last year because he came up he made a splash last year but they figured him out in the last oh, half of his time in chicago he did not play well he, he didn't do any damage and they sent him down he's changed a lot about how he, his approach at the plate and all of a sudden he's a different guy well, if the first the first savior first baseman, he had, I would expect him back up by now, and he's not. They brought him um, yet. Yeah, I, I, and I won't. I still won't be surprised to see him. So, you know, we'll see how that works. Uh, You're thinking of Matt Mervis. Yeah, I, t- I tell you what, though, to surprise everybody, this, this Reds team is not a, is not a joke. They have some serious talent that they finally brought through their system, and their team speed is unbelievable. They're like Kansas City, only better. Anyway, SP Futures down five, Nancy Futures down thirty-one. Be right back with Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. Five six. That's seven zero eight three four nine three four five six. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's 
something happening here. Well, welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. And we're on the board. SP Futures down four and Futures down 27. We're kind of, our, nervous, our nervousness going on here before the, the job number. We were way down yesterday after the ADP number came out. And we came back eh, 40% or so. Today we're down a little bit. Do we have Mr. Carl? You do. How are you, bud? Well, um, you know, we did not uh, blow off any of my fingers on the 4th of July. All, all of the appendages that were there beforehand are still there. You didn't look down the thing when it didn't go off and have everything blow up your face like the guy here? Oh, you know, hey, that's, uh, there was, there was a uh, YouTube circulating around, which I thought was one of the best ones, with some guys that were had, had their stash under their van and were shooting off fireworks and uh, managed to get the stash lit. Oh, God. <laughs> well, how'd you like to make that call to the insurance company? Did you ever take a uh, a concealed carry class? I mean, whether you did it, I mean, one of the first things they do when they tell you about, you know, always assume a gun is loaded, you know, always how to check to see if it is. But let me go through all that for like hours before you ever do anything else. Right. Which, which is good stuff, by the way. And they showed a picture of the guy who's looking down the barrel at a rifle and the thing goes off. Oh, oh! But but it, but it, he's got he's got your basically you know he's got the NRA hat or something. <laughs> right. It blows the bill of the cap off and he was unhurt. You know it looks like the guy just blew his head off, but he blew just the blew the bill of the cap off. It was just a you know it was like a forty four in the rifle, so it wasn't a shotgun or anything like that. So thank God. But uh, I have some specific questions for you before we get into the labor. I'm reading here about uh, Samsung estimates profits plunged ninety six percent in the second quarter. And they claim now these guys make uh, uh, memory chips. What is the difference between a memory chip and uh, an NVIDIA chip? Well, okay, so <laughs> so you, memory chips go on uh, pretty much every other board, and the the, the NVIDIA what what everybody's all cranked about with the this AI stuff is the GPUs, the graphics processors. So they're not um, the same? No, they're not the same. There's One is a graphics processor is much like a, C, a central processor, except that it's optimized to do uh, to do shading and ray tracing, in other words, drawing things. Uh, and it became very popular for cryptocurrency mining because, as it turns out, the language that they use to describe how things move around the architecture is is fairly well suited to that. NVIDIA seems to think that this language is going to be the one that wins in the AI race. Uh, that's a highly speculative statement, to be polite. And uh, I don't think anybody knows how that's going to shake out, and we probably won't know that for years. But uh, somebody is going to win and somebody's going to lose, and actually what's probably going to be the case is like with most things in technology, a lot of people are going to lose. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But the, the, the Samsung announcement I thought was rather interesting because uh, there's, I used to pay a lot of attention in the, uh, in the Durable Goods Report to telecommunications and uh, computing equipment, those two lines. And they were a very good proxy for hiring activity. Uh, it was when when I was running MCS, they were probably the two most important line items in that report that came out every month in the March report. It's, it's a, the durable goods, and that's just simply because every butt that goes in a seat has to have a computer and a phone. 
Okay, so when you, you know, it's, <laughs> and, and it's a fairly, it's, you know, it's high frequency data, it comes out every month, and it's, uh, it's fairly contemporary. So it was, uh, it was something that I used to pay a lot of attention to. Uh, I haven't followed it nearly as much over the last few years, but, um, you know, that was, that was one of my favorite data items. Um, and so if Samsung is saying that there's, there's a negative impact showing up in here, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, that's a very useful and uh, probably accurate piece of information. What, uh, jumping topics here, what do you make of uh, Janet Yellen's trip to China? When I, when I ask, it's like, I mean, I, it's not just whether we like her or don't. I, I, I can't stand the lady because of the money she made between the whatever. Don't need to worry about that now. But the prepared statement was, we should not allow any disagreement to lead to misunderstandings and unnecessarily worsen our bilateral economic and financial relationship. Is that like saying uh, we really should need to learn how to swim without getting wet? How, how do you do that exactly? Well, the <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the United States has put itself in a rather interesting position. Both Republicans and Democrats have done this. Administrations for the last, uh, you know, 30 years plus. This goes all the way back to Bill Clinton, and probably before that, but certainly goes back to Bill Clinton because we saw an awful lot of it during the time that I was running an internet company. Uh, of of essentially becoming intertwined with a nation that doesn't think the way we do, doesn't work the way we do, never will. Uh, we we project what we you know what we like to call American exceptionalism, if you will. Uh, on top of other people and it's dangerous it's a stupid act and and one that we should not engage in but we do and the reality of it is that uh, other nations and their people don't think of things the way that we think of things and that's that's a polite way of saying it I mean essentially the bottom line is that uh, they don't even value human life the way that we value human life in the Western world and uh, then it just gets worse from there. So Why, the, um, idea, <laughs> the idea that we can, we can somehow find common ground uh, in that area is, is this shibboleth that's run around forever that if you trade with people, you won't end up at war with them. And that's, uh, boy, that, who every know about that. Every economist believed that, especially the University of Chicago. Milton Friedman uh, certainly believed that. I, they all believed it. I, I, think I mean, I, I've lived long enough to know where, where the man was right 90% of the time, but he was wrong once in a while, too, and that was one of them. Yeah, and, and some of the places, and, and the problem with some of those, those uh, perspectives is that they're not trivial little matters when you get those ones wrong. Well, it, when you do the, uh, it's interesting to hear, and I, I heard him talk about this a few times, I went to a lot of the guy's speeches, uh, talks, I didn't call them speeches, but and read a lot of his papers that were very interesting. You learn more about this stuff with these kind of sidecar papers. I don't know if you ever read any of those, uh, Carl, but they, when you talk about things like inflation and you, and you, you look at the, you know, some of the stumble bums that are on TV call themselves, like an, you know, economists compared their knowledge of monetary history to his. It was like, you know, me, me saying I know as much about computers as you do. I mean, that, that's, that's how much the difference was. Oh, yeah. I mean, he... He could say, I remember reading one paper, I don't have it, but it was about some, can you have a, a decreasing money supply in deflation and still have monetary growth? 
And the answer is yes. And he, of course, he had like one one province in India, and then he had some other spot here after the war. He had three or four examples where it exactly was just like that. And, and until you can come up with an example to kind of prove your point that it's at least possible, you're basically talking into the wind, I think. I mean, if, if, you, can't, if you can't find anything that remotely ever happened that way. But, I mean, he... But if you contrast his view that if economic freedom, you know, presupposes political freedom down the line, and he, he was darn set on that. And he... He went down and was doing some work for Allende in Chile. And I think he was just doing some consulting work, but he, you know, I think he went down there, or maybe, maybe he did. And the people here in Chicago, a lot of students were outraged. You know, so that's, that's really why he scampered off to Stanford, was that issue. He finished right. his career and died out in California, which you know, I thought was horrible because he was a University of Chicago guy. You know, he was my guy. And, uh, but then you see the movie. What's the movie with, uh, God, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, he was in the uh, beneath the. He was the. Uh, remember that World War Two movie where the guy, the the Japanese sunk a hospital ship, and his wife was on the hospital ship as a nurse, and he, in the submarine. All he kept trying to do was find the captain who sunk the thing, and he was Jack Lemmon. He he really could play some interesting roles, I thought. Uh, but he was the guy who went down there looking for his son down in in Chile, and he. Would, and he was in the big areas where there were big hunks of bodies that Allende had killed. And he's looking through the bodies for his kid, and he found his kid's buddy or something. It was some, hor- some horrible movie. Uh, but you compare that, you know, to Milton Friedman's view that if he just give a little economic freedom down here, that's all going to change. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, and that's and you know that's the thing is that we have. I mean, I, you know, I love the academic the academic view of things at a certain level. Okay, because uh, you know dudes and dudettes that are sitting there noodling on stuff uh, and and trying to find pieces of history that uh, you know that fit a thesis and then reinforce that thesis through uh, through practical application and we really do get something out of that as a society okay I mean there's there's value there but uh, people like that also have these uh, they're not just blind spots they're they're blinders that they put on on purpose they mask themselves essentially because they get married to these things and then you you can you know you cannot come up with anything contrary to that I mean, you look at you look at the craziness that's going on right now i don't know how how or why things have have suddenly blown up in this area but on social media uh, the the latest thing over the last week or so has been this is the hottest july 4th ever in history Okay, and we're all going to die because we we must stop using carbon today, or we're all going to die. Funny, you should, ever, funny you should mention that. And way in, I was well, asking, it, 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 I was asking a meteorologist it. Andrew. I said, "How exactly do they do that? Do they take a a, a survey of two hundred cities around the world? Do they well, try and well, find out where it is in the middle of the Amazon or in the middle of Siberia? Do they do it by the by uh, satellite? I mean, how exactly do you get a, an average temperature of the whole world?" Well, th- th- today, the way we do this is with satellites. Okay. Okay, because we have them. <laughs> okay. But remember, the satellite era is, you know, 60, 70 years old. Okay. Well, how, how they going, the I think I heard 160 years worth of data. Where, where's that coming from? Well, it's not. Okay, that's the whole problem. So, uh, but here's, but of course, we in the United States, you know, we've been around for, 
you know, for a little, about 250 years, right? Um, and of course, other nations have been around for longer. But if you look at, for example, the actual data sources that we have for sea surface temperatures, uh, other than in shipping lanes, where people, you know, dipped thermometers in the water. <laughs> yeah. Um, we before the satellite era, we we had we, we basically no data, and once you get more than I mean anybody that's ever gone diving. Real so, stupid, real stupid question, my friend. How exactly does an al- a s- satellite take the surface temperature, or two feet down, or is he, do you want surface? Do you want two feet well, down? Well, anyway, you I mean, can only get sir. You can only get surface. That's the entire point. How, how do you do that? But is there? I mean, it's got to be some machine that does. But how does how does that machine work? It's it's basically it's it's infrared. It's it, there are sensors that can read through the atmosphere, um, and so and it, it, we we have reasonably accurate data now um, over that period of time on surface and and lower tropospheric atmospheric, which is you know which is down by us, right? It's the bottom part. Problem is this: if you've ever gone diving, even once, you've run into thermoclines. Well, you go down 30, 40 feet in the water, and all of a sudden it's 10 degrees colder. And what was a really nice, comfortable wetsuit, you're freezing your butt off. <laughs> right? okay. uh, well, we, we have so little knowledge of the vast part of this planet that is covered by ocean, by water, in that regard. It's essentially non-existent in terms of historical data. We have absolutely no way to recreate it no way to accurately measure it even today and and it's just simply because there's nobody there right i mean it doesn't have anything to do with any you know there's no conspiracy there's just nobody there uh there is uh, there's a tremendous amount of underwater activity that we we just don't observe we don't have any way to model it uh about 10 15 years ago it was maybe well actually close to 20 now gee how time flies uh, there were a bunch of oceanographers that decided they were going to try to to rationalize some of these data observations, and so they set off in some ships and started doing soundings at you know basically lowering instrument packages down way down into the ocean. Which of course, if you're there with a boat, you can do that. And and they very quickly realized that this idea that we actually have knowledge of of what temperature profiles and thermoclines and stuff like that look like in huge swaths of the ocean is just absolute BS. We, what they expected to find or what they actually found are two completely different things. Uh, and there was no homogeneity with, you know, with what we believed and claimed and stated and thought. And we, we, we just don't, okay? And they came back rather humbled that, uh, oh, you know, maybe we really don't have a effing clue as to what's really going on down there. What am I? It's, uh, it's true, we don't. My freshman roommate, um, still friend, he retired from uh, NOAA. Brilliant guy. He got his master's from uh, Ohio State and his PhD from uh, University of Rhode Island in chemistry. And he was one of the dudes that was in the remember the DC-8s were doing the ozone hole flights yeah. back in the day? He was one of those guys. But then they did a I don't know how far around the world they went, but they went a lot of places trying to find out where the oxygen and the carbon dioxide was actually coming from and not coming from. And he's, it, it, he goes, it debunked a real lot of, of myths in the sense that everybody thought, oh, man, all the oxygen's coming from the Amazon. Look at look at the, the dense growth. And, and it's not. It's not. He says, but it's because for every tree there is pumping an oxygen in the place, there's a dead tree with a bazillion uh, termites in there kicking off carbon dioxide gas. Right. So, so things come to equilibrium. 
He said the one thing that was a huge shocker, and I wonder if this is going to happen in Canada next year, he said they, they flew over Yellowstone Park like a year or two after the, the fires. He said all of a sudden the oxygen meter just went right off the chart because, they, because it was all new growth. Right. Well, that, see, that's the thing is there's a balance. But, but, okay. here's, but here's what his concern was, Carl, and I, I never hear it mentioned. And I tell you what, you, you and this guy could, could talk for a month because you, you speak the same language. Um, he said the biggest concern is, he goes, if you get a little more carbon dioxide over land, he goes, the best way to fight that is to, is to plant a million trees a year. He goes, he goes the problem is, he's the, is that for some reason the oceans do not seem to react at all happily to even a small amount more carbon dioxide or it screws up coral reefs. They don't react the same way as land plants where they, they grow faster. So somehow or another, if, if you increase the carbon dioxide in the, in the oceans, you got a problem. And that's what has everybody all concerned. And, and I, I've never heard that anywhere except from him. Well, so there's, so there's a bunch of shibboleths related to that, when there's, but there's problems with it too. Uh, and this is the one that I've thrown at all the, the climate screamers over the last couple of decades, and nobody's ever been able to actually come up with the, with the answer to the question. That's because we don't have it. And that is, we, have, we exist on this planet, everything, all life, because of buffering reactions. And some of those are organic, chemically-based, and some of them are not. Uh, but every living thing on this rock has all sorts of buffering reactions going on all the time. It's why your blood pH stays within an extremely narrow range and things like this. Uh, your, your drive to breathe comes from tiny, tiny shifts in the pH of your blood. It does not come from the oxygen that you have in your circulation. The primary sensing mechanism is actually in, the, in, your, in your medulla, it's in your brain, and it, and it operates on that. Uh, and we're talking about hundreds of a point Okay, of pH, it caused the, the, the drive to breathe, and that's because carbon dioxide dissolves in water, produces carbonic acid, and that slightly depresses, makes makes your blood slightly more acidic. Okay, that's what causes that. Those reactions are all over, all life. They're everywhere, and within the oceans, there is a huge amount of carbon dioxide sequestered in the form of carbonate. That is a buffering reaction. It can be driven both directions, and temperature drives buffering reactions generally, which where the equilibrium point is between release and absorption. Problem with this is, is that when you look at the data, the warming came first, and then the CO2 level rose, not the other way around. Okay. Well, that means that the, the buffering reaction got driven by the warming, which is exactly what you would expect. And this is part of the cycle, the balance cycle that exists on this planet. It's why we have life on this planet. And the idea that we are the cause of this is ludicrous. Yeah, yeah okay, that's, a little, could, that's a little crazed. But, but, you know, when you start, yeah. we, we are reaching a point where we are pumping some in. What we got to go to break it. We don't want to mess up on this because we can talk about this anytime. But did, did we ever figure out we... Uh, guys like you, or figure out what what caused the little ice age during like Washington's time. Well, yeah, these the uh, <laughs> there are multiple cycles that are all driven by the the, the orbital inclination of the of the Earth, the pre, the precession that is you know our our axis is tilted, okay, 
and the, and the tidal flows that are generated by the sun's gravita gravitational pull, ours, the rotation of both, as a result we have a molten iron core, those things, we, we have nearly zero understanding of how all that works inside the Earth. And and the amount of heat that's involved in this, the amount of energy there is just absolutely astounding. Did you read the one last week? Did you read the one last week where the guy comes up with the conclusion that because we've pumped out so much groundwater that we've shifted the Earth an inch or two or something? How the, how the hell does he come up with that one? Oh, I, I yeah, I read that one, but I've, I I mean, again, you pump out the groundwater. Where do you think it all goes? It goes into water vapor, and then what happens to the water vapor? Yeah, well, the, yeah. before we're going to go here to break early because of the uh, employment run, but you know, the yep. you mentioned about the uh, uh, Chinese stuff. The more I read about the man, the more impressed I am about him uh, as George Marshall. Uh, the one, I'm going to say, big failure he had. Everybody knows he was a big star in World War II, you know, logistically, all that stuff. Right. Actually, he was in World War I as well. And then he put together the Marshall Plan, which saved, what was it, Blumenthal, or the guy was over to try and do before it saved his ass, basically. In the meantime, not many people know where he was. He was in China at Truman's request, trying to do a peace thing between Chiang Kai-shek and Mao. And finally, after like a year, he said, get me out of here, these people. There's no way. They're nuts. They don't yep. care about people. They don't care. You say... You're, you're killing all these people every day, and they look at you and say, so what? I mean, he goes, it was so totally, he goes, I, I can't accomplish anything here. So Truman said, okay. Truman understood. He believed him, brought him back, then sent him to Europe, essentially. And, but he had no chance. So we, we, we know that we're not going to change. But we have, I mean, how, did, I mean how, do you, how does Janet Yellen say, our biggest companies, our biggest contributors are all over the place here because you don't care about pollution. You don't care about people getting paid nothing. And, uh, they're all in the place here. We're beholden to them. Oh, but by the way, we don't like the fact that you're our, our next enemy. You're stealing all our crap, and, and you're going to invade Taiwan. I mean, how do you even have that conversation? Uh, well, it's, it, I mean, it's ludicrous in the idea that we, do, you know, that we shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, we, we should just continue along with this because it, prom it pumps up the stock market, and therefore it pumps up corporate values, and therefore we can issue all this debt, and da 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 you know, on and on and on and on with the, well, we can because... Well, yeah, you know, isn't it, isn't it funny how enslaving people seems to uh, seems to lower your cost? Oh yeah. I, why does this surprise anybody? Yeah, like, duh. <laughs> That's a few. Actually, you know what? I would bet. Boy, I don't want to. I don't. I probably shouldn't even say this, but I would bet that it's cheaper than enslaving people is to do like they did when they built the railroads, and if you wiped out twenty Chinese on a landslide, you didn't even worry about it because there was twenty more to take their place. Well, that's exactly, yeah, yeah, but it, despoiling the environment and, and enslaving people has always been good for cost structures. God, yes. SP Futures down three, NASDAQ Futures down 12. Be right back with the numbers. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, no fake stocks and jocks. Time to mount Andrew on the board. SP Feeders up three, Nasdaq Feeders up 55. The rest of the stuff is still flying around. The numbers came out with 209 is the number, an unemployment rate down to 3.6. Andrew, do a quick run-through, and then we'll get back to Carl. We'll go over this stuff. All right, we'll get right into it. It is uh, 7.33 here in Chicago. Uh, starting off with some sports. It's baseball yesterday. The Cubs lost to the Brewers 6-5, to and the White Sox ball, lost both their games in a doubleheader against the Blue Jays. First game losing 6-2. to Second game uh, losing 5-4. to and the Diamondbacks got swept by the Mets in their game 9-0. Over in Chicago, the weather is uh, sunny today. Maybe a little bit of chance of rain uh, past the late afternoon. Right now it's 69 degrees. we got sunny skies. And we're going to have a high of around 78. And it's going to hit around 4 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 85 degrees. Uh, clear skies. They have an excessive heat warning. And that's going to bring temps to around 112. And that'll be around from about 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, it uh, looks like a couple changes from our first hour. Uh, the Kennedy Expressway construction is still causing some delays, as always. Uh, but now it looks like the Stevenson is a lot more in the red than usual from about Harlem Avenue to Pulaski Road. It looks like that was caused from an accident a little bit past Pulaski that is blocking the two rightmost lanes. Um, and 
Finally, looks like that traffic on the Tri-State Tollway is getting pretty quite bad. Uh, that accident uh, blocking the two left lanes near near the 290 connector is causing heavy delays all the way from, let's see, not too familiar with these roads, United States Highway 34. So that's all I got. Ogden Avenue. <laughs> that's the one. Yep. All right. Back well, to you. Carl. All right, Carl, we've got uh, <laughs> what, what I'm reading on my A1. You're going to tell me I'm looking at the wrong one. We've got roughly 190,000 more people around. We've got 130,000 more in the labor force, uh, of which um, 170 are working and 50 less are unemployed. And we added another 50,000 to the we don't know what they're doing column. So I'd say it's about as good a number as you can imagine on, on this on this sweep of this thing. Is where do you come in? Even though the the 220 establishment is less than the 290 expected. Well, <laughs> okay. So household survey number says uh, plus 557, unadjusted. Unadjusted. Okay. So okay. that's uh, that's. Four, 370 difference from the adjusted. Uh, yeah, so yeah, small difference, right? Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, uh, over a million, just over a million, 1.025 million people got off the couch. Right, I got, which means, I got like, which means, I got that well, number going higher. Well, uh, but again, unadjusted. Okay. Um, now the problem with this, of course, is that means that you actually went backwards because you added 557. Um, but a million came off the couch. Where'd the other uh, four four fifty go? Uh, well, they didn't find jobs, did they? Um, Which means and, the unemployment rate should have gone up, not down. Well, it, it, again, though, different surveys, right? Okay. Adjusted versus unadjusted numbers. So, but um, this was this to me was a very interesting number because you know the ADP number was extremely strong. Okay, which was what triggered the sell-off yesterday. Uh, this tracks a whole lot better. The, the ADP number is notoriously bad. I've I essentially ignore it most of the time. Okay, when, you, when you say bad, it doesn't track the other numbers. But how could it be wrong? Well, <laughs> I d I don't know. Okay, I mean you'd think. That I mean, you either processed payroll for somebody you didn't, right? Yeah, well, that would be about <laughs> as simple as it can get. It would seem to me that this is simply a you know I've got a database and I do some you know I, how many rows are in the table, right? For number of paychecks I issued, um, kind kind of a simple thing. Um, I would not expect that you could that that number could be an error, but it, it does not track the BLS's data. We actually like, use ever. PTI. We use ADP. How could they not know if we added a person or dropped a person? I don't ask me how that number could ever be materially off compared to anything else that's factual. So, but but it, uh, like I said, they don't track, um, and many many many. Now they've rejiggered that that uh, that entire series. There was that was about a year ago that the entire thing was re-engineered. And supposedly it was because of of data reliability questions and things like this. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Uh, the, the, the last time I checked, counting how many paychecks you issued is a kind of trivial thing, right? I mean, you you know how many you sent. Well, they're trying, I think somewhere deep in the bowels of their brain, they're trying to be a predictor of the U.S. number. And I don't know why they're trying to do that. Just Just put the number out there. 
Well, I yeah, I don't know what the reason is for you know the logic behind what they're what they're trying to do. But I I had essentially ignored them for a long time. I mean, yeah, I get it. I'm I'm on their subscription list. It gets emailed to me you know half hour after it's released. I read it every month, but it never meant much. I will say this though, I have so you know I've talked about this before that there's there's an issue in the civilian labor force um, that has been showing up in the in the BLS data that seems to imply that there are some serious problems happening in the mobility between groups. This month is the month that people leave high school and get into high school graduate no college, right? So this educational attainment chart bumps and most of it it happens throughout the year, but most of it happens in June. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> right? All right. Same thing with college. I mean, you know, when do most people graduate college? Well about this time every year. I mean not some. There's you know, there's some people graduate in the winter quarter and things like that. But but this is generally when it happens. This is when the graduations are held. Right. And so this is when you move from one of those brackets to another. But the top bracket, you never lose. Once you attain a bachelor's degree or better, you, you cannot lose a bachelor's degree. Now, I would argue that you should be able to. If we're going to take people's college debt and write it off, we ought to revoke all your credits. <laughs> God. Well, I, you know, listen, if you say that this isn't worth anything and you shouldn't have to pay for it, um, okay, uh, then you don't get it. And by the way... Uh, while I can't stop you from, you know, from some some employer hiring you, even though you don't have a degree, but you took the classes, uh, what I can do is I can make the those things, I can revoke them so you can't use them to get into a grad school. All right. And I, I, I somehow wish, and it's never going to happen, Carl, but one of my wishes is for somebody to grab a few people from each party that might have a brain cell working, kidnap them, drive them down to... Camp David, get them drunk, put them in a room, and say, "Here's all the deficiencies with the student loan program. Let's try and fix some of it." I mean, well, the only the only way you can fix it is to get the government completely out of it and, and make credit quality mean but, something but, but again. You, but you still have to fix this damage. You, you can't well, have you, you you can't fix it. You can't fix the damage. the The problem is where are you going to take it out of? Okay, because where you have to take it out of is the colleges. Well, that, yeah. Right, you'd have to force them to to eat the two trillion dollars that's sitting out there. Well, you, you, what, what you can do is go back and say, "Look, we've kept the big boys' interest rate at two percent for twenty years, and we're charging our kids six. We can we can retroactively adjust that." Yeah, but that's not going to solve the problem. No, I'm, I'm saying, but sometimes, yeah. sometimes when you attack stuff like this, you got to do a few little things. Maybe if the person's dead and his Aunt who co-signed for him is in a nursing home. You might let her off of yeah. There's, I, I mean, mean, there's the, things you can do here that are are uncomprehensible in this program. Well, there's uh, it, it, look. Obama basically destroyed any sort of credit quality analysis by federalizing the entire program, which happened about the same time as the is part of the PPACA move. And and that was, but you can't blame the entire thing on Obama because. No. It w- it goes all the way back to Reagan and Bush, with regards to making bankrupt, you know, taking them off the bankruptcy table, and making student loans non dischargeable. So I mean, you know, this is this is a decades long problem 
that has been cooked up. And every time that the system starts to get in trouble, just like with the medical nonsense that's been going on for the last 50 years, every time there is some issue that comes up, the answer is make the federal government take it over. Well, how do you... It's... You and I, you and I know the... I think we both know in our heart of hearts, and we've said it many different ways on the show and will again, maybe I will right now. We know in our heart of hearts that there's some very serious imbalances... And they always seem to be attached to government money going a different direction. But, yep. the, but the imbalance is so dramatic that, I mean, I, I, mean, I look at my own situation, uh, and I'm going to you know better than me. In, in 1974, what was the median income? I'm going to say 12, 15, somewhere in there. Yeah. And a Notre Dame education with, with room and board was 3,800, 3,600. So it was roughly uh, a third to a quarter of a family's income. And, by the way, uh, the, the person who was going to school, if he, if he got off his behind, could probably make 1000 bucks or 800 bucks during the summer. So right. you, you could pick up almost a quarter of it yourself in two and a half months if you wanted to. And maybe you could work weekends somewhere, somewhere during the it, winter. It was it was possible to put yourself through school. Maybe not at Har- you know, not at Harvard. Well, you couldn't, I couldn't have done it in Notre Dame, probably, but you could. I probably could have done it in Illinois. You could you could have done it at any state yeah. school. But okay, any state school. so now yeah. we've got to the point where the the median income per person is like forty, and per family is like fifty five, and Notre Dame is seventy. Right. Well, that's that on any on any level. That's screwed up. I mean, there's no way that, that you're, you're fanning 15 hours a week in a, in a classroom with 40 other people is worth, you know, two people working, for God's sake. Well, Chief, the bigger, the, the bigger issue is this, okay? When, when you and I did this, when I, when I was of collegiate age, which was, you know, early 1980s and, and you know, and before, in order for you to actually learn things of substance you had to have a set of infrastructure that currently is no longer necessary because libraries were printed things with books okay um, this what we have available today was 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 a dream in people's minds yep. I mean, it didn't exist today you know if, if you wanted to learn calculus then it was very hard to actually learn calculus um, on your own, individually, because you had to have a text, you had to have some kind of understanding of what was going on. You and and so you know that that was what colleges did. Well, the, right? the, the, the was, text implied a teacher. You you couldn't read the right. calculus book and learn calculus. Well, that's right. You had to you had to you know. So I mean, all of these things, but all of this required a tremendous amount of infrastructure and concentration, and that's what colleges provided. Okay. Well, guess what? Today, we all walk around with this little box in our pocket that literally can access the combined knowledge of humankind over the last 5,000 years, for crying out loud. And if you want to learn essentially any subject, you can sit down at a computer and, and you can personally learn that. If you want to learn calculus today, you don't need a teacher. I think, I would need, read, I think I'd need a teacher. If you, if you can read... History, yes. If, if Geometry, yes. I don't know about calculus. <laughs> I had uh, trouble with that one. Well, I, I, I'll, 
I'll tell you right now, if you're capable of reading, there is, there is no subject on this planet that you actually need that infrastructure anymore for. College should cost a tiny fraction of what it currently costs because the only value it now has is the accumulated knowledge in the professor's head. That's it. All the rest of the stuff that used to have to be there in order for it to be usable is no longer true. And that's the reality of it. And, and yet we've done exactly the opposite. And why? Because we have to protect this, this whole you know, edifice, just like we do with healthcare. Oh boy, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it works. What matters is that the money must flow. Well, that's what that's always my message, Crown. I know I lose it. I actually have, I cleaned up my place a little bit. I actually found one of the listeners sent me a bill from his little company, Mary. He was hatched, born. <laughs> At a hospital on the south side, his mom was in there for seven days. I think the bill was like two hundred and sixty bucks. Now it didn't include the doctor, but it did include the anesthesiologist and stuff. I have I have a a receipt around here somewhere that was sent to me from the year of my birth. Soup to nuts, six hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm gonna say when I was born, my father. And, was and a by policeman. the way, that was five days in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, my dad was a policeman. Right. And, uh, you know, policemen didn't make that much. My mom worked in a bank. Uh, they paid the bill. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't their right. their, their, their best month. <laughs> I mean, they weren't put, didn't put anything in the savings that month. But it wasn't like it was like four years' salary for the poor guy. I mean, we're, we're so far off the, off, the, off the ledge on this stuff. But how, how do we ever get there? I mean, that's why when you look at these inflation well, numbers, how they, and people bitch about, oh, Chief, you're, you're saying the number was 10%, and these guys are saying 6 Why should I believe you instead of my government? Look at the number. Look at look at like two thousand to today, on a car, a house, a hospital stay, and look at their number and look at what it is. I mean, somewhere, someplace, we got to go back and recalculate here or something, or we or we're on planet Pluto. Well, there, it's it's all about you know the <laughs> flies don't attract crap. Crap attracts flies. Yeah. Okay. You have you have power and money. They get together. You have industries that that get favored into the political system. These these industries find ways to protect themselves. And education, healthcare, the two of the worst within the United States today. Both of them produce garbage. All right. I mean, you you read the 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 opinion that was put out by Jackson, the dissent, um, with regards to affirmative action. All right. That decision that just came down. You read the the dissent, and buried in that dissent is a statement by her that black physicians treating black children cut the, mor- the mortality rate to 50%. What this says, what she's saying, is that half the black kids died before that was the case. That is absolute garbage. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's total nonsense. This is, this is a woman who is a Supreme Court justice that can't make change for a $20 bill. And we, and we still think that the educational system actually serves people and that credentials mean something? Uh, Carol, I don't know why anybody... I mean, you, know, we, you don't want to act like you know, a bunch of old people, but I tell you what, this, this test that somebody wung at me, Audrey, from 1911, there was a, there was a presupposition in there that kids graduating grammar school knew what the Pythagorean theorem was about. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely, I mean, and and I, you know the thing is, I, look in the nineteen this was bad in the nineteen nineties. Now it's absolutely intolerable. I I used to give every single person that came in and wanted a job interview, yet it and I I started doing this because I got a bunch of people that came in tried to get jobs that were illiterate and innumerate. 
right, well, I'm sorry, if you're doing customer service and part of your deal is billing support, you have to be able to make change for 20. Yeah. All right, I mean, I, you just have to be able to do it. I, uh, I'm i sorry, that's part of the job. So, well, I'd redraft a, a package off it either Federal Express or UPS two weeks ago, and the lady behind the counter couldn't read it because it, she wrote it out. Chief, I had 90% of the people that had high school diplomas out of Chicago that came in there that, fla- that failed those tests. And they were doing four-function, you know, add, subtract, multiply, divide on a piece of paper with a pencil. They couldn't do it. Did you see the, uh, I, w- I won't say his last name, but the, uh, when I was talking about the closing the roof, and I sent you guys a thing yesterday. Milwaukee, the baseball thing, and trying to find out yeah, what the rules yeah. were. Well, you saw there was one name on there that's not usually on our list, a guy named Bob. Bob worked at Pullman, and he's been an accountant forever. He retired. Carl, you could not, if there was a list of numbers that you read out three and four digits long, and you ran off a list of about 20 of those while you're pumping them in your machine, Bob would have the answer before the machine did. Yeah. Well, my mom said they were back when they didn't have calculators and stuff. There were there were people that had that talent. I never did. I mean, I yeah. Well, it's there, but there were. So here's so here's one of the. I I, we got sidetracked on this. This is there's an interesting piece of data in Table A four, household data. All right. So I'm on one, and you're back to four. So you're you're a graduate student here. I'm on a I'm on a four down here. A bachelor's degree and higher. And, I, and there's been a dislocation in this data that's happened several times in the past, and, and it's here again this month, and it's trouble. Uh, this is the NSA number, and it is showing a severe drop in the civilian labor force in people with a bachelor's degree or higher. Okay, about 400,000 in one month. They're retiring or what? You can't. The only way you lose that is to die. Uh, that would do it, yeah. All right. So now here's the problem with that, though. Okay, if you look at the adjusted number, it disappears. It's up seventy, seventy-three. How do you adjust the number where people adjust, are alive or not? Uh, well, uh, uh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but this is this is some of the stuff that when when you see data like this in the tables, and you say, wait a minute. Being dead is not a seasonal adjustment. No. Okay? So who's twisting knobs and for what purpose? Well, you know, your your uh, buddy, boy, he would be a buddy if you ever talked to him. We've got to see Matty Weber get him back on if he's still alive. Remember Professor Goodhart? His, uh, the Goodhart's law was once, a, well, once a, a statistic becomes a target, it ceases to be a statistic. Yeah, well, you know, there's, like I said, there's there's stuff in these tables all the time that I see like this. This one jumped out at me as soon as I looked at it, because that's one of those tables that I look at every month. Uh, it's one of the first things I look at, and it's and this month is the month that I expect to see the mobility upward in educational attainment, because it's June. And, in fact, yes, it was there, uh, exactly as expected, except in that one place where all of a sudden 400,000 people with graduate degree, you know, that, that have bachelors or better, just magically disappeared out of the unadjusted number. And the only way you can disappear out of that number, because there is no higher place to go in that table series, is to die. God. Hey, I, I, I almost forgot. I have to ask you the question I was asking uh, Kevin earlier, and he said, that's a Carl question, which it is. Um, you have mentioned on several occasions, I believe, I'll run it by you again, that at the end of the day, whenever that is, the establishment survey should 
match up with the household survey. I mean, if your family leaves the yeah. house to go for a job, I mean, you should. Uh, Eventually, with the, yes. With the advent of what, I don't know if you listen on, on Monday a lot, but Nancy has been talking, she does the mortgage stuff, and obviously she becomes intimately involved with people's finances. She goes, a lot of families are going not from, and you've talked a million times about the one safety valve, well, not a safety valve, but the one adjustment society could make from the economy of 40 years ago is for the second person in the household to go to work. Right. With, with all the encompassing problems with that of child care and having to hire somebody else, maybe uh, two cars instead of one. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not all profit, right, whoever that, the person is. That's, that, right, that's right. There's a lot of cost that yeah. comes along with that. Okay, right. so uh, now Nancy's been talking about how now you're in a situation where guys working, girls working, one of them's a CPA, and oh, by the way, for four months of the year they're doing taxes for people on Saturday and Sunday. So a lot, or the guy's delivering pizzas three nights a week or something. There's there's some something above the two jobs. They're doing 2.2 to 2.5 right. jobs. Um, if that's happening, how is the establishment survey ever going to, or how is, the, how is the household survey ever going to catch up with the I mean, why would they ever come together? They won't. But this is but this is a change that is that that is happening. Okay? And it is you know, it is the spinning of the wheel to try to keep the hamster wheel from from stopping its rotation because if it does, you're in the street. Um by the way, there's another interesting little data point in here that I that I think is quite uh it's quite telling and that is you know we've we've made a lot of noise about the the impending problems in the information technology sector and i've i've certainly been talking about it for a while that you know salaries are ridiculously overbloated and basically these are people who are being paid that don't have a skill set that's worth anywhere close to what they're you know what they're earning uh, their average hourly earnings actually went down last month okay and that's and that's the first time that I've seen that. And by the way, it's the only group, it's the only subgroup in the series, unless I'm missing one here. I don't think so. It's the only subgroup in the series that saw a decrease. Okay. Well, we have. Oh wait, no, I no, I'm wrong about that. Mining and logging was down very, very slightly. All right. Well, we have a few minutes here. I don't know if you've been staring at the market here like I have. Uh, when these numbers came out, we went from being down to being up pretty strong in the S and P. Now we're about flat. Now we're, we're about flat. But I don't know if you watched this one. The TNX, uh huh, was started the day at f- at four point four, right? Four, uh, little over four percent, and uh, now and it went and it went down twenty basis points. Yeah, but now it's four point two. But now it's now it's at four oh six. What are what are people reading the numbers? What would cause interest rates in this particular one to go up and not down? Because the original reaction was down. Rates, well, people are still addicted to this idea that the Fed is going to be cutting rates before the end of the year, and that we're and and, and they're crazy. They're they're just crazy. I, I'm sorry, you're you're not in that world anymore. That world doesn't exist anymore. And uh, the idea that we're going to have two percent ten-year Treasury rates again, and you're going to be able to get three percent mortgages? No, you're not. And we'd better be willing. We better be able to adjust to this. And and look, the Airbnb stuff, and the collapse that's coming in these properties. Um, you know, my area and a bunch of others, fifty percent average revenue decreases from a survey that I just recently saw in this area specifically. 
50% year over year. But see, I think we could, um, this is just not my prediction, but I wish I could do a trade in here that would be less than really sloppy. I don't know what the Fed's going to do, but it wouldn't surprise me that one of these years coming up, one or two, that your, your federal funds rate will be back down to five, but your 10-year rate's going to be five and a half. Well, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. And, that's uh, the way it should be. I do, you should have a positive sloping curve, but that, but that means that the, that the long end has to come up because... I think the long end, it's, maybe it's starting, but I, I've said to you know some of my clients, and you know, I don't do advice over the, over the air, but I mean, it, was, it was obvious to me that someplace, somewhere, you wanted to go you know, long, you know, short, short the further out bonds and long the nearer term ones, which essentially... Yeah, and there isn't, there isn't a clean way to do that. There isn't a clean way to do level. that. Right. Plus, you know, one of the, one of the, when the TLT was up to 130 or something, when the, when the, when the long-term rates were down to like 1.7, there is no question, Carl, on that day that I said, this is, this is the most gimme trade I've seen since August of 82 when the market was 800, you know. The, right. only, the only way to go was up, and this thing, the only way to go was down. Yet, I probably had people in that trade 15 times, and I'm going to say we, we made money a few more times than we lost, but the thing had so many bumps and bumps and bruises along the way, it was never a straight way down. It was, there were times where you said, oh, man, it's really mo- starting to move now, and you got short the damn thing, and all of a sudden you got stuck where the sun don't shine the next day for a month. I mean, it, right. it, 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 it's, not, it's not an obvious trend. I mean, yes, if we could put something out five years from now where we want to go long the long-term rate and short the short-term rate, we're going to be a winner. But it doesn't mean it's it's a nice ride. <laughs> no, and, and yeah, and there's a real problem with it. I mean, but I I don't think that this... I, look, I, the, the people that are glad-handing this, that we can never see asset prices decrease, and, and therefore the Fed's going to prevent that from happening, and, and you know, the H with uh, what that does to your grocery bill... I'd tell you, you know, the, the people that are screaming right now about the whole situation in Florida with insurance, uh, property insurance in particular, although it's also in car insurance, one of the reasons I left the state was that the, the insurance problem has nothing to do with global warming and climate change and more severe storms. It has nothing to do with that. It is 100% fraud. And the problem with this is that all of that is at creative to GDP. I, uh, so, so you have a government that loves the fact that somebody screwed the insurance company out of a free roof when it wasn't really damaged by the storm, okay? Because well, that twenty thousand dollars counts as GDP, and that's that's economic activity. Well, that's good. That generates sales taxes. It generates employment taxes. This is all fantastic stuff. Never mind the you know everybody in the state gets it in the backside. Because now your your homeowner's insurance just went up by 400% well, I, last year. we got a dash here, crowd, and, and you know, you know me long enough, the last thing I'm going to do is say something nice about an insurance company, ex- except for right now. I'm going to say that as, as bad as those people are, just by, just by their nature, uh, not individually but collectively, uh, are horrified with a new roof cost in 75 grand or... Oh yeah, your car gets dented in the back end, and the auto body guy wants ten grand to fix it. I mean, it's it's an, one of my friends. Her, her anyway, she lent a car to somebody, her nephew or somebody. So of course the kid screws it up, and he hits the guardrail in the back and in the front. But you look at it and you go, okay, it's a couple of fenders and a few lights, and you know it's a couple G. 
They wanted like twelve. So oh yeah, well, well, that's because they've got these newfangled lights in there that are you know three thousand dollars a piece. Well, but whatever it is, I mean, the insurance company's got to be horrified when they get these bills. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's not. The, it's, I mean, can you imagine what these guys are charging? I, people here I know have paid eighty and ninety grand for a roof. You imagine what they're charging in Florida when there's only three roofing companies and they got a list of people for a month. Well, chief, they do the same sort of thing though in the medical system. Yeah, oh yeah, it's been going on. It's been going on for twenty years, and now and now people are saying, oh well, you know, this this sucks that it's happening. Well, yeah, it's happening everywhere else because you have all this scamming that's been going on for the last twenty years, and nobody's gone to jail for any well, of it. But mo- most people. Even somebody like me, who's spent their whole life doing cost accounting and things, I don't, I don't really know how much it costs to give an MRI for somebody. You probably do, but I do know that a roof for seventy, when twenty years ago it was five, is a is a big jump. <laughs> I mean, well, I I know that I can get I I know that I can get on a plane and fly to Narita for less than it costs to have the scan done here. I, I get it. You may say you're. You're, I'm sure that it's just as egregious, if not more, there. But it's not—it's not so intuitive to people. They go in and get a test, and they charge them four grand for the test. How do, how do I know how much that test costs? I mean, I—I I, I really, you and I have a stab at it because we—because we—you have more of a stab at it because we've been kind of studying this. But how does a regular person have any clue what that actually costs the hospital to do? Well, that's well. The, the whole problem is as soon as you abstract, as soon as you abstract price into a third party, this happens. Every time, but I mean, a regular person is somewhat capable of saying, "Okay, it took four roofers two days." Even if those guys make a buck and a half a day, that's that, that's six hundred a day times two is twelve hundred, and I can see the shingles cost five grand. Why is this thing twenty G? <laughs> I mean, I mean, people could do that kind of math. It's easier to do than the hospital. Yeah, I'm just saying. Carl, yeah. take care. Are you are you home this weekend, or what are you doing? Are you vacationing? Are you running? What are you doing? Yeah, nothing really going on. It's uh, you know, it's kind of the doldrums of the summer, and so uh, nobody's down here in Chicago. I mean, it's it's like an empty week. It's like a big vacation week. It's yeah, empty, you know. So uh, it, it was it was not nearly as busy as I expected in this area this uh, over the holiday week, which was kind of surprising. But you know, hey, next week let's uh, make a note. Let's talk about that Airbnp stuff a little bit. You bet. All right, but SP futures down twelve after being up a bunch. Nasdaq futures down thirty seven. Probably not a good note. And again, the thirty year. Is up, uh, wow, four, f- almost four point one now. That's an incredible move. That's a that's a almost a percent move in one day. That's incredible. We'll be, uh, back on Monday, stocks and jacks. PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.